Brian DeMarco. Is this the part where I get to talk about myself? Because <laughs> I'm ready to go. I know. It's just lots of me, me, me. <laughs> nice to see you, brother. Nice to see you. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Yeah, yeah. And uh, joining me at my kitchen table, this is uh, the podcast, uh, So the Story Goes. Uh, very happy to have you here. I will say, uh, one of the most uh, creative and prolific motherfuckers I know. We, we, you're, you're already breaking the rules. We, I told you already, no saying nice things about uh, me. That's not nice. That's pretty nice. That's just objective, bro. I didn't say it was good. That's true. Fair enough. I just said you are very creative no that's true fair enough and i said you're very prolific that's true i make a i make a lot of not you make averagey <laughs> stuff i make a lot of averagey stuff that's true all right <laughs> fantastic uh now i like to start uh the podcast with kind of especially if, if it's a if it's a an old friend i like to go to that moment uh where we met yeah do you remember it you know, I do a little bit. I, I'm real bad with linear time. I don't, I'm, I'm just not, never been good with it. Okay. But, uh, and I don't actually remember meeting you, but I know where it happened. You were also super high on PCP. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was not. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember. I mean, you, I, I only know this because you told me later. I think. Okay. But we met at, uh, uh, what's that place called? The Windsor. Yeah, the Windsor. Okay. Yeah. You I was playing, playing with, with Michael, Michael Terry. Terry. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't remember the occurrence. He told me to come down. Ah. Because I think I had done some work with him. Ah. And he said, you got to come down and, and meet Brian. And uh, I think I was living downtown at the time. But I had done some work with Michael. And he's like, yeah, we're doing this thing. It's kind of like a brunch hit. It's me and Brian. And oh, it was me- brunch time? I feel like it was a, it was during the day. It was like a brunch hit. And I, there might have, like, someone else might have been there. Was maybe, who would have been on base? No, I don't know. I mean, John Willis, maybe. John Willis. Maybe. Maybe. But I don't, I literally don't remember any of this. Did you play there more than once? Yeah. Yeah. I so this was so. like a regular thing. I don't really remember. Okay. I really don't. Uh, I don't remember it happening. But I know you told me later that's where we met. So... But my introduction to you was, I think this was the part of my career where I was starting to research places that I wanted to play. Ah. No, no, no. This is well before I met you. Oh. And, and I knew that Postino in, um, what's that port of town? Postino. In Central? Cent- no, 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 no. Oh, in Arcadia. Arcadia. Yeah. It was Postino in Arcadia that was doing live music. I mean, this is a handful of places that was doing live music, right? So I'm trying to, like, get into these places. And I noticed that you play there, right? And this is well before I met <laughs> right. you. I think I was the only one. Yeah. I think I was. Yeah. And I, and I, and Nepotism. I, went, and I went to your website, and I was like, oh, he also plays up in Flag. Oh, yeah. And that's, this where is, I, yeah that's where I was living, I think. Oh, could be, could be, yeah. could be. And I thought, man, that's really what I want to do. Like, I want to have some joints in town. I want to get up into flag. I want to do, you know, this you, is before. You, I thought you were w- more established than me not in at town. That, not at, no, not at that point. Really? No. What year is this? This is what? 
at least 10 years ago at least yeah yeah i mean i was just trying to get my shit together huh and so i would just research venues and i mean i wasn't established in town at all i just happened to be that you know right <laughs> my brother owns all the places so. right but oh. i didn't know that at the time Ah, i see yeah i didn't know that and i was like wow this it looks like this cat has put together a nice little career. He's like got some nice. I mean, everyone. I did won. well in flag. Any all northern Arizona, I played a ton. I played everywhere. Well, everywhere. and I want to get. Yeah. I want to get to that because you you do have a very interest. I love the story of that. But hold on. So all right. So I I learn of you because I'm looking for venues to play. Um, it was uh, Postino in Arcadia. I see you playing there. I go to your website. I see you're playing up in Flag, and I'm thinking, man, this is that's hip, man. He like it's he's got it together, you know. And then fast forward a couple years, I start working with Michael Terry on a, on a on a variety of things. Great uh, producer, engineer, piano player. Um, we did a couple things together, and he happened to be working with you at that time, and said, "Hey, I'm 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 I'm." I had never seen him play live either. He said, well, come down to the Windsor. I'm playing with DeMarco. And I was like, oh, fuck. I'm immediate to meet this cat because I'm just like in awe of the career that you had built, you know? We use the word career loosely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I remember rolling up. I sat down. I had a drink. Uh, and then I know you don't remember this shit, but we ended up rapping for a long time after. And it was one of those scenarios where we're obviously very different people but we immediately connected right yeah. it was like homies like yeah. immediately and then you know i don't know what that was 10 years ago and and we have worked in a variety of ways over the over the next you know whatever that amount of years but that was the first time i remember hearing about you and seeing what you did um now let's go back a little bit okay you grew up in Colorado. No. You grew up in southeast <laughs> Nebraska. <laughs> Beijing. But like no, the tough side I, of Beijing. I, I, <laughs> in the I, hood. No, I grew up uh, in Phoenix. Or then, in Tempe. Okay. Yeah. But then you went to Colorado shortly thereafter? I, okay. Well, I mean, I, I, I went to Colorado to pursue snowboarding. Okay, so but that's okay. a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing. All right, sorry. Let's go back. When I was a for, kid. For some reason, I thought you were born in Colorado. No, I was born in Connecticut. Are you fucking with me? No, I'm not. I was born in Waterbury, Connecticut. True, true story. So my but, mother but, was born in Darien. I don't know anything because we moved when I was like two. Okay, so. So I don't know anything about it. You're a little, you're a little uh, fucking small little thing about this big. <laughs> what we're talking about i don't know and then you moved to tempe well so i don't you know want to get bogged down all this but like okay, i want to so, get bogged down in this for about 15 minutes and we can get on to the other yeah show. okay so uh, born in connecticut but, yep. but dad moved the family out to northern california okay and i spent the, like the first i think we moved from california to phoenix when i was 11 so maybe two years old to like 11 in northern arizona by the bay area and northern I, california i don't know what i say northern arizona yeah i'm sorry northern california um outside of uh do you know where um uh 
it's, it was a town called Morgan Hill, but it's outside of like Gilroy, the garlic capital. Uh, Doesn't ring a bell. People know that place. It's uh, north of maybe like a little bit north of San Jose. Okay. Not not too far from the Bay Area. Okay. Like yeah, I got an you. Hour. I don't know. Okay. So in a little small town up on a hill called Morgan Hill. Yeah. And they bust us down to school and everything. No it shit. Like, yeah, it was like one store there. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. Uh, and it's and it's your mom, dad, and your older brother. Right. Okay. Now then, dad dad was sick of working for somebody else. He wanted to do his own thing in the computer business, so they moved to Phoenix. We moved everybody to Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, to Tempe, really. Right. And yeah. then from then on, basically, through your formative years, formative yeah. years so, as a teenager, you're you're in Tempe. Yeah, from eleven to when I'm, you know, decided to leave and move live live in other places in the country when I was like maybe twenty three. So did did you do the ASU thing? I did. I well. So the thing with that was so. When I was a kid, I was, you know, I was kind of not unlike now. Uh, whatever I was into, I was into. Right. And I kind of had blind ears on. You're fucking fifth gear on everything. On everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I was really into, into skating. Like mm. We were, you know, it wasn't enough to say that we skated when we were kids because that gives the wrong impression. Everybody skated when we were kids because it hit when we were, you know, it was big time. I skated was, when yeah, I was a kid. exactly. But I, like, I was really into it. So yeah. like, I would go to school and the minute I got out of school, I would go skate until they drug me off the thing and i would do that every day and it was all about skating uh ramps mm-hmm. vert i didn't do any i didn't i didn't street. like street skating really we did it because you, you, you had to well and when you couldn't do a ramp you would you, but you had ramps well there they were a little hard to come by back then and good ones especially because nowadays they make them all professional but back then oh, yeah back then we were making them right so kids don't really know what they're doing so they weren't very good that's what i'm saying but there were some that were good like uh, sponsored by the city or just no, like private? No, private. Shit, no, the city. No, there was none of that back then. It was all private. Yeah. It was all private. So like, I don't know how, you know, I hate to say this because I think this is how it worked a lot, but I think a lot of wood got stolen from construction sites. Sure. And yeah. It was that kind of thing. And, yeah. And, plywood uh, and you would bend the plywood Yeah, and then the and, people that were more handy uh, would be the leaders of it. But yeah, you'd. it's funny you say that because I'm not a very handy person uh, yeah. and uh, my job when they figured out that and if i giving me a hammer and nails was probably a bad idea i my job is usually to hold the hose and wet the wood right and then to, to bend it to bend it right exactly that Isn't was that sort right? of one of the jobs i was assigned to but uh <laughs> <laughs> but there were a few good ramps man you know i mean that you know mostly when we started out there were little ones like eight feet wide you know, five feet high, and you really couldn't do much on that. Now, were they launch ramps? No, no, this is half pipes. Half pipes. Half pipes. Right, okay. Half pipes. Like I said, we did some launch ramps, but it wasn't really in my bag. Yeah. Um, so they were like that and, and when we were real learning, but as we got better and got older, the, the ramps got better. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was then, what you're really looking for is something that's like more like 24 feet wide, right. 10, 11 feet high, foot right. of vert, foot and a half of vert. Right. And then you can really get some some work done. Wow. But uh, we, we had nothing like that. We oh, were, there, yeah, there, were, there, there was a ramp in, in Mesa that was the main ramp. It was called the Perfect Ramp. And it was called that because it was owned by these rich family called the, uh, pa- the Sellers, Patty Sellers. And um, the, he, was a, he uh, was a big-time guy in construction. So he built his – I think his kid must have been like eight or nine or something. He built this kid a world-class professional ramp in their backyard. 11, I think it was like 11 and a half feet high, a huge rollout, 
different. Uh, it was amazing, right? That's incredible. And, but the thing that was, fun, you know, I'm sure they didn't realize me they're doing this was all that did was draw every every kid from everywhere, thirty miles radius. Yeah. And I mean, you're talking about now teenagers that are smoking. Now, now they had a treehouse in the back. Oh. Now all the kids are in the treehouse smoking bowls. That that kid, he never even skated that ramp. That little kid, <laughs> never, never. He was up smoking bowls. No, no, he, oh. he he just. I don't even think. I don't. I don't know if he wasn't interested or just. It got overtaken by 16, 17 right. year old neighborhood kids. Not even. No, man. <laughs> we drove from we thirty miles to get there or whatever, man. <laughs> It was amazing. And because it was so amazing, it drew all the pros. So you'd be oh, skating yeah. with like, you know, Kevin Staub back then. And I was a bunch of guys, but all the pros would be there. So you want to skate with those guys because you get a lot better skating yeah. with those guys. Yeah. So it was, it was, you know, it wasn't. So this is just a private resident half pipe. And they wanted you to sign a release form. I'm sure. I was just going to say liability. Dude, they couldn't keep up, dude. No, everybody. I mean, I never signed a form. I mean, everybody was just skating that right And what man. you, this is early 90s, late 80s? Oh, this is, uh, let's see. I graduated in 91, so this must have been like 88. Yeah. What's a liability form? Yeah. Were you guys even wearing helmets? I mean, this oh, no. is like. Well, that's the funny thing about skating. Like, yeah, we padded up. These days, yeah. people don't seem to pad up anymore. No. But like, dude, when you're skating 11 feet high, foot and a half avert, yeah. we had knee pads and helmets. Helmets, yeah. Sometimes elbows, but mostly knees and, and helmet for sure. My mom bro. got me the uh, the wrist ones, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. I had the wrist yeah. ones, I had the helmet. Yeah. I had the knee pads. I never wore yeah. the knee pads. Oh, we have to skate in ramps, man. Well, ramps for yeah. sure. But yeah. I was just, we were just like launching off into the you know like we were we weren't we weren't we didn't have the level of danger i think that 11 foot vert or whatever would yeah, have yeah we would have died for it and we would have literally died in it if we had had it but it was there was one kit it was my buddy jeff and john Pyle. they built this little not even that his dad built this little vert ramp and then he, they put a tiny little half pipe in their garage. I mean, very supportive. Um, and we were just, we were just monkeys. Out yeah. There. No hell. I mean, no, yeah. nothing. Yeah. Just waiting to split our fucking cranium yeah. on the pavement. Oh, I, seen, I saw a lot of bad stuff happen. That's for sure. But, yeah. but you know, we, we were really into it more so than I think. That's why I want to say like, we weren't, you know, I was hyperly into it. So it wasn't, it wasn't like, yeah, it was a hobby, but it was a pretty serious hobby. And this you know, is, we, my parents were very supportive. They took us around to all the, con, you know, we skated all the contests. Cool. We would go out to Del Mar because I was where, that was one of the only skate parks in the nation back then. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so my dad, my dad owned racehorses. So he would go to the Del Mar racetrack and me and my brother would go, because literally across the highway was the skate park kind cool. of thing. So we would yeah. just go to the skate park. And man, I got to, I got to skate with a lot of, you know, I came up in the time when it was just getting big. So, right. you know, I got to skate with, uh, uh, I'm older than him, but at the time he was very little, a very young Danny Way, you know, when, when there was just kids, man. Yeah. Um, a bunch of pros and stuff out there, you know, and it was uh, really a fun time. Crazy. But that, I guess how we got on this was that whole thing led to the, the beginnings, the birth of snowboarding. Because oh, okay. it kind of came out of that, it didn't really right. exist, and then that. So I late eighties for sure. I was in at the very ground level of that when the. What first, was your first board? Well, the first one I owned was a Sim Switchblade, and let me tell you how bad the technology was on this thing. It had a it had a ratchet buckle system. Yeah. And anytime you'd land from a jump, they would just pop open. You'd fly off the thing. <laughs> I mean, it, the, the technology was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. 
My brother had one of the earliest Burton boards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember all the Burton. I boards. mean, but he wasn't. He wasn't like launching off of cliffs or whatever. Yeah. He was just trying to like get into it. He missed the skateboarding thing. I had the skateboarding thing, but I was a skier. So there was like this crazy. Like he was the snowboarder, I was the skater, but I was the skier, and he, you know, yeah. Um, but that's the, funny. The, the snowboarding thing when that hit, I was super obsessed with that, and uh, my again, my folks super supportive, and they, you know, I was always real good in school. I don't know, school just kind of came to me, and uh, you know, as we've talked about, we'll, we'll get into about you know the productivity thing is this that I just have an ability to have a high degree of concentration for a certain for sort of a long period of time, right. And because of that, I was good in school because I could just focus. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, and I, I had. They seem kind of like opposite things, though, in a way. Well, sort of. I don't know. Like my, my, my dad, and bless his heart, he came up, he raised us up on a strictly bribery system. Mm. So, you know, uh, A's were worth a certain amount of money. Oh. And uh, B's were worth some money. And anything less than that wouldn't worth nothing. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, have to start paying him. Yeah, on a C or and, and you know when I when we when I got into high school, he said, you know, uh, when you turn sixteen, if you got straight A's, I'll buy you a car. So oh, I was shit. like, all right, well, I'm going to get straight A's then because you know whatever. But the thing was, I don't I, honestly. I, I still to this day, I, I don't think I got any. I don't think I'm actually particularly smart because I was in all the accelerated classes with smart kids, and I know what those kids are like. Um, I don't think I'm stupid or anything, but uh, I don't, you know, I don't think I really had that degree. But uh, I was just real, you know, I I, I was organized, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'd come home from school, and the first thing I'd do was knock out my homework. Mm-hmm. If I didn't have to, I try to knock it out during during the day. Mm-hmm. Like I lived, I lived uh, in the middle of all of my elementary school, uh, junior high, and high school. I could walk home mm-hmm. for lunch from oh. all of them. Well, that's great. my whole life. So I would I would go home for lunch and just do all my homework. Yeah. Because I didn't want to, I want to go skate. Right. Or I want to do what I was doing. Right. And, and if I didn't, I'd get home. And the first thing I'd do is I'd do my homework. Yeah. Because I learned that if you had, if you got A's, this is the thing I learned. If you got, if you got straight A's, your parents assume you're okay, right. and they give you a lot more freedom. So they let me kind of do. I think they kind of let me be okay because, and I was okay. I really right. was. I wasn't interested in bad stuff. I didn't party. I wasn't interested in dress. I just wanted to fucking skate. Right. Right. Or whatever it was I was doing. I just wanted to do it. Right. You know? Finish your your day work or whatever. Yeah. And then be able to fuck off with with no... And they never... Yeah, they didn't... Crushing it. Yeah. They didn't didn't say nothing to me. They just let me do my thing, you know? And I think... I'd have to guess because, you know, my mom my whole life, anytime I ever left the house, always said to me as I was shutting the door, I heard the word, Brian, moderation. Because I think I... She probably recognized I'm a little... I'm a little crazy intense on whatever i'm yeah. a little hyper focused and it's like i don't i kind of yeah forget to and not funny you know what i mean yeah but again sorry we got i didn't want to get bogged on all this shit we're not but, getting bogged down baby this is this podcast well, i want to talk about music i know and baby shit, we're man. gonna I get talk there. about some bullshit i know but I this all informs and i told you i want to get in this whole thing where it's, i'm just I'm, I'm using the word i every second i'm telling all this bullshit but, but about i know myself. i understand you 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 think but this all informs where you are now, and I and, and quite a, maybe you don't get in, into this. I have more questions about it because I think it informs uh, your early. I can't believe we've never you've never heard this stuff. I thought we talked about this. Well, stuff we talk moment. about this shit, but not the my, not the huge uh, listenership uh, to this podcast. <laughs> well, no, I'm really surprised uh, that I feel like you actually we actually just you and I haven't actually. I don't know. Well, we've talked a little bit about it, but but not in this 
extremely formal setting. <laughs> no, I think we should take a break, but but I want I want you to think about a couple of things. One is I have two older brothers and their influence on me musically was profound because without them I would not have been exposed to music from those generations, from that generation, right? I, you would have had the stuff that your parents listened to. Uh, and without the the influence of having older siblings, I would have missed out on a bunch of shit. And I had, a, I had brothers, I had a brother, I have a brother, uh, who was into music, playing a guitar. So that influences me. So oh, yeah. I want to talk I about... I of that. Well, I want to talk <laughs> about... The music that was playing in your ho- in your household. I want to know the music that your older brother was bringing into the scenario that maybe have had, had, has now informed your your the greater picture. So we're gonna take a break. So okay, but so, we're not we're not leaving. Okay, we're not leaving this well, yet. Well, and then we'll get to, we'll get to the process and and what we're doing now and everything. Yeah. Okay. Well, when we break, is this the break? Is this the time where you play your music or my music? Because we should just be playing all. It's all. This is all about me right now. So I don't know why we would do anything but here's the thing, celebrating the brilliance. <laughs> <laughs> you sent me some. You sent me some interviews. I, I did. I think they went right to no. To no the I trash. didn't. Even, I didn't. I didn't the even junk say, box. No, you said to me. I was teasing you, saying, "Hey, dude, at break, you should play my music." I, mean, yeah. I was just teasing you. Let's and do you it. Said, and you said, "Well, send me some songs." I said, "Ah, you just pick something." Right. And you didn't do your homework, so this is on you, man. Fuck you, man. This is my shit. So okay, we're taking a break, and we're gonna and listen, we're gonna to, listen to a bunch of Brian's yes, music because yes. it's all about fucking Brian and all the fucking time. <laughs> and, you're and, not, and, gonna, and and not that anybody gives a shit, but you're never gonna get to hear my music. We're talking yes, about yes, we will. No, you know, yes, we will. Uh, about that. <laughs> I'm just gonna do like some acapella performance piece. Okay. After the break. All right. Let me have a little more booze. Okay, I'll get I'll get you all liquored up. You could do it. You could do an acapella thing. Good God! All right, we're off to a good start. Everyone, just stay buckled up. We were friends. I haven't seen him for a year or so. I heard him in and out, so stony gold. So, you had a a, a a a skater phase. Yeah. As did I. Okay. I don't think it had the effect on me as it did you. But let's now go, uh, let's fast forward a little bit. Okay. You're doing high school here in town. Right. You have an older brother. Yes. Tell me how having an older brother, if at all, or tell me how having an older brother affected the music that you were listening to and um, the music that, that, your, that your folks were, were interested in. And if that ever came into play, hmm. well, I, the old brother thing, no, because I, he and I never had the same taste. So, I and what's the age difference? Two and a half, I guess. So, b- very close, right? I mean, yeah, know. I just didn't dig. I wasn't into what he was into, and I don't know vice versa. I really wasn't even uh, into. I don't even. I guess I don't know. We we're you know, talking about this. I don't. I don't feel like I was into music, mm-hmm. but then. I mean, I certainly was into the music that was happening. Like, I remember really liking Billy Idol for a little while because he was very popular. Or oh, yeah. the Eurythmics. Yeah. Um, or, you know, but I don't feel like I was into it. I was only listening to it because that was what was being marketed to me and what my friends were listening to. But I don't remember it having any kind of 
profound effect on me. You know what I mean? Well, it was the stuff that was played on the radio, stuff that was on MTV. I mean, I can definitely remember, like, you got the tape cassette, and, you, and you're waiting for them to play the songs. They said they're going to play it, and you want to record it to have a recording of yep. it. And But I don't feel like I got into music, for, like, got into music till much later than that. Well, what, what was this. the music that your folks were listening to? So, okay, I can tell you this. When I was, when we lived in Morgan Hill, and I was, what, like, eight or whatever, my, my dad was, it, it was an audiophile. Okay, and he loved his music. So he listened to his music real loud on real hi-fi shit, and he was into it. Uh, and so he, his Neil Young is his was his guy. So I was a huge Neil Young fan, still am. I mean, I feel like to, to not be here, like un-American or something. Um, but uh, and also the Stones, the Beatles. So I can definitely remember this. I can remember being a little kid upstairs on his hi-fi system, listening to like Hey Jude uh, and definitely Sgt. Pepper's mm -hmm. over and over again mm -hmm. and being really into it. Mm -hmm. And same thing with the Stones, um, but also like Joan Jett and the Blackhearts and Foreigner 4. And All from your dad? Yeah. That's pretty That's pretty interesting because... Well, dad, dad, dad was into music, and I don't think he is anymore, but he, he was really into music. But uh, So yeah, I, have, I remember having those profound experiences. Yeah. Um, but I never thought, I thought about playing music. I wasn't that into music. I wasn't really, I didn't, I didn't understand myself as a creative person at all. I mean, that I had no examples of that. There was no artists around. There was no, there was none of that. So there was no idea of what it even was. So I can see now that. In school, I always liked art class. I think I kind of excelled at it to a certain degree. And that skating and these things were very creative endeavors. So it wasn't just about skating. It was about like tricking out your grip tape and drawing on it with right. pens. And with like, right. it, was, it was all kinds of creativity. Right. And even in just in your style and how you do it and how you wear your clothes and what you do with the stickers and, and everything it was a very creative thing. I didn't realize it at the time. Right. But I don't feel like... I discovered even remotely the idea that being an artist or being creative, and I don't like the word artist because I don't know what it means and everybody throws it around like it's some kind of, like it's the word love or fuck. It has no meaning or whatever. It just gets right. thrown around so loosely. I don't know how you define it. And I feel like to use it is often pretentious. And if like Da Vinci, Leonardo Da Vinci's an artist and Justin Bieber's an artist, then I don't really understand what we're even talking about anymore or whatever. And not to diminish from Justin Bieber or whatever, I'm just saying, like, I don't know what it means. Right. Where's the, where's the common thread between those two? Yeah. I mean, I, for me, I've defined it for myself. For me, it's like, there's like a, it's like a two-pronged thing. There's a pragmatic side, which is an artist is someone that uh, day in and day out creates things. That's what you do. You are being creative. You're in a creative state of mind and you create things. So if you make art, you're an artist. Now, you might not be a good one, but you are an artist because mm -hmm. you make art. So that's the pragmatic part of it. But the other side of it to me is I think I've learned some kind of like a, it's a viewpoint. It's a perspective. It's a way of seeing the world that like, you know, that involves intuition, uh, emotional intelligence. Um, so... You know, you, you know, someone might see a, a, a building and just see a building, but I think like from an artist's perspective, you might be seeing like how the colors are working together that they chose or not working together, what the shapes are, what the composition is. You're just thinking, 
you're you're just seeing the world through a lens of of emotional intelligence and intuition you're just seeing the world that way you know what i mean yeah yeah i and and i agree with a lot of that um now i mean you you rattle off a bunch of of artists and records that also influenced me and we talked about this before but um you know i wouldn't say that the music that i create um is like the beatles right but but it all added to the mosaic let's say of who i am now and you listed off a, a, a rather diverse uh, a, a list of artists from your father and you still don't think that that had an influence i mean i know that you're a neil young guy i know that you're a bob dylan guy you're a neil young guy well from those from that from that era or whatever but that's I, that you know which i like that era right but i don't consider that you know necessarily all the greatest influence for me musically comes earlier than that you know well, so. but, but but i think this is this is this is the the next question is all right so you were kind of steeped in this thing and then at some point you you recognized it and started to do research and wanted to know why i feel like that's kind of your thing is i want to know why you know yeah, what I'm what what, what a, i'm a bit of a you know studious type of uh person that way yeah i, I like yeah. To, i like to go back and find out the the origins of things to get to but, the root of what it is yeah but, and, and in doing that my musical birth happened in like maybe when i was like maybe 21 or 22 and that was discovering like the first and second generation blues guys mm -hmm. that was my birth mm -hmm. and and I, I, let me just can i just ask you put put it in context so this is did you do like a, the college thing well so that's what i was we're getting out before so i got a skateboarding got a snowboarding parents were supportive i snowboarded a fucking ton uh, i was able to graduate from high school early because i had really good grades and the only credit i had to get because every year you know you have to get four years of english mm -hmm. so i had to take two years of english in half a year to, hmm. so that i could leave and not be in school anymore for the my senior year snow season mm -hmm. i didn't want to be in school right. I, was, I wanted to be pursuing snowboarding so i took two english classes at once to finish in a half a year wow did that moved to colorado to try to pursue a professional snowboarding career mm -hmm. got very very hurt you know, career-ending injury would, would you tell that story i know the story but would, can you just give me in the a condensed version the, yeah so yeah. Uh, moved there. Uh, um, Where flag? Oh, no, no, Colorado. To, where, this was, at the time they called it Purgatory. They changed the name. It was now it's called Durango Skiers or something. Durango, Colorado. Yeah. And uh, the first week, me and my friend that had moved there, we were supposed to be looking for an apartment, but we just wanted to ride, so we just were staying in a hotel and riding, uh, you know, every day. And uh, we were, you know. I was pretty, I was kind of a fearless kind of kid. So we were crazy and uh, we were riding and they, th that place was kind of known for what we, we called them rollers. I don't know what they're really called. That's what we call them. But there's a lot of catwalks that crossed runs to get to places, to mm -hmm. be able to go from place to place. Mm -hmm. And 
So when, if you come hauling ass yeah. and you hit that catwalk and yes. then you launch off the yes. other side, you don't necessarily go, it's not a kicker. So you're not going like up. Right. You'd go maybe 15 feet or something, but you're going far. Far. Right. 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 So we would, we would hit these rollers and it just so happened that those rollers are right under where two uh, lift towers are going up. So you can really hot dog as everybody's watching you. And, you know, at that age, full of ego and testosterone and everything. So we were hot dogging and, uh, we we hit this thing together side by side and did our little trick or whatever, and landed. And then he was a much bigger person. Than me, I've been a little little guy. He was you know six foot something or other. So, you know, he decided he was going to cut left and, and I was going to cut right. And we ended up running into each other about four feet in front of a lift tower. And because he was a much bigger person, he just kind of lifted me into the air, and I hit the lift tower from my knees down on one side of the tower from my knees up on the other side of the tower and, and literally just uh, destroyed my, my right knee. Mm. I, I tore just about everything you can tear in a knee. I tore it. Uh, uh, and then, you know, it was a pretty horrendous situation. Mm. I had to, you know, immediately be, take up like a little propeller uh, uh, plane home and had my first knee surgery on my 18th birthday and subsequent following surgeries. I feel like I was off and on crutches for, a long time hmm. and uh but because of that i had an ac- <laughs> this is crazy man i think about this is crazy i had an academic full ride academic scholarship okay mm-hmm. to any in-state university not because i did anything just to, I, apparently if you just get good enough grades they just give them out i don't know i don't remember doing anything at all it was called a region i think it's called a region scholarship if you were in the top like 4% of your class or 2% or something, they give you a scholarship, I guess. Yeah. I don't fucking know. And bless my parents' heart, knowing that, they still were like, yeah, you want to just go ahead and move to Colorado? No shit. Yeah, I mean, that's how amazing my parents really are when it comes to <laughs> supportiveness. And then because I, because I got hurt, I actually could go to school. Cause I, so, I was, so I did, on crutches, go to ASU mm-hmm. for a couple of years mm-hmm. uh, until music sort of, derailed my life or whatever took over my life and then i just left school i was like i don't care about any of this i'm just gonna uh, music is is the thing i majored in everything man i majored in like art i majored in philosophy i majored in uh, i took some i i I wanted to take film classes i mean i was all over the place Mm -hmm. you know i really wasn't getting anywhere Mm -hmm. all the classes i wanted to take were electives i mean i was (laughs) i really wasn't getting anywhere Right. right exactly so i mean it was whatever it was but i started smoking a lot of pot and I started playing a lot of music, and that was sort of the end of school. At but that point. but you're saying that that the injury led to that. The injury led to music in in the way that because I never thought about playing music, right? But uh, I was laid up right. for a long time, right? And uh, I think my brother a guitar showed up. I think my brother got it for me. But I again, I like I said, I'm pretty bad with linear time and memories. I, I'm not very good with it. But a guitar showed up, and I ended up. At your house, at your at the at the dorm. No, I didn't. I never lived in the dorm. I okay. just lived at home. Yeah. yeah, at the house. And uh, I guess I started. I started in on it again. It's like all kind of fuzzy to me, but I do remember that I, there was never a thought in my mind I'm going to shred on the guitar. It was always immediately songwriting. I wrote mm-hmm. my first song fretting the low E string, just finding the root notes mm-hmm. of the changes. Right, and it just went from there. Right. It was always about songwriting. Did you have um, any formal training? No. No, none. A guitar lesson here or there? Uh, okay. So I had 
at that time I had a new peer group of friends because you go to college and you have a new different group of friends, not just your sure. high school friends. Yeah. So there was these twins and their friend and the twins, one was a bass player, one was a guitar player and their friend was a drummer. And they were really into like all the grunge stuff that was happening, Nirvana and Pearl Jam. And they yeah. basically wanted to have a band that just did cover tunes of those stuff. Right. And uh, I just wanted to be involved with music because I started to find music a little bit. And they, none of them had the guts to sing. And so I was like, I, I unfortunately, I think I always had guts or whatever. <laughs> Blindly, naively, I did. You know, I, I don't think I had any talent or anything much. But so I was like, oh, well, you know. He's a singer. I could, I could, I'm your guy. I could, I could, I'm your guy. I could what are we it. doing? I can do it. We're doing even flow? Sure. What are we doing? Alive? Yeah, 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 I'm into it. it. <laughs> but I think they were real hesitant to trust that I could do it. So I, I took a, a little sneaky route into it. I thought, well, if I, could get, if I can get them to at least put a microphone on my hand. So I, I said, well, uh, I'm, I'll play the harmonica. Because then they'll have to give me a microphone. Ah, interesting. So, uh, I don't know what, the only reason I started playing harmonica was so I could sing the songs. Interesting. And so I did take, I don't remember, because like I said, I, I'm really bad with, with this kind of stuff, but I took a couple maybe harmonica lessons from a guy. Yeah. Nothing of any, I think he taught me how to bend a note. I think he did teach me, teach me how to bend a note. Yeah. But the irony there is that it turns out of all, the, well, maybe not besides sorry, but of all the things I know how to play, none of which I play particularly well, the harmonica is easily the thing I'm most adept at. Yeah. Which just strange, strangely so. Well, it's not strange because you've been shedding on it like for all for the last 12 months you've been. Oh, that's true. I, you know, been I, got, shedding like I, say, I became shedding. A, even, so I've gone through two periods of my life where I was obsessed with the harmonica. And that first period, there was a time when I was playing that fucker, that little thing for like, Literally, and I'm not making up till my till my tongue was bleeding, you know, till I was literally bleeding. So, yeah. but 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 who were you listening to? to so, but that was all the that was once I got into the blue stuff. So okay. I found the blue stuff. My like, so my, I'm telling you, for me, there that like was little the birth. Walter. That was the birth. So like, there was me, 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 me. Then there was discovery of that, and I was a different person. And I don't think it was just that. It was somehow the co everything coming together at a certain point where I was ready to grow my consciousness in some way like everything just kind of came together but it was through the blues and when i found that blues music it's the only time in my life or maybe the first only the first time in my life that i can remember laying on the floor i was still living at home i, I don't think i was i wasn't the kid that wanted to get out as soon as possible i wanted to just never have to pay any bills right. and just do my work and whatever so right. i, I would have stayed i'd still live at home if they let me <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was, I was living at home still i was laying on the floor stoned and discovering this music we're talking about little walter yes uh lightning hopkins yes uh of course muddy wolf yeah um uh jimmy reed uh uh i mean sunny boy one and two all these guys and to me it was i felt like they made that music just for me Hmm. I, I think other people felt that through the Beatles and stuff. Mm -hmm. While I enjoyed all the music, I did not feel that touch until I heard mm -hmm. those guys. For some reason, that music spoke directly to me. And mm -hmm. it shouldn't have. I mean, a middle-class white kid or whatever, what do I know from hmm. suffering? Or I don't know why it spoke to me, but there's something about the authenticity of it, mm -hmm. the truthfulness of it that I understood. And it was a language I, I just innately understood for some reason. Mm -hmm. Or at least I thought I did, and maybe that's bullshit on being a pretentious asshole. But I felt like I did, 
you know at the time i felt like it was just for me and and it really did change my life it was like and i still believe to this day musically if you're going to make american music or western music or whatever umbrella term you want to use that the dna of all of it is blues yeah so if if you understand if you if you if you have a fundamental depth of understanding of blues music then you that's the greatest so, so talk about formal education not much but if you if you have that education mm-hmm. that's the building blocks of everything so if mm-hmm. you can understand that you're in a pretty good shape and i shed it a lot on that stuff i mean i listened to a, a, a lot of that music yeah and it's i think people misunderstand that music a bit in the sense that people that don't know a lot about it they just think about it like okay 12 bar blues or whatever but I wouldn't even think, I wouldn't even, they don't even know what a 12-bar blues is. But in terms of what they're familiar with, they might not right. know it's called that, but, right. but having heard that, that sound, that, that form, yeah. that formula, right. just like a, we would call a three-camera con- sitcom, right. everybody knows what it is. They don't know that that's what it's called. Right. But, you know, those old shows, Friends and all that, that you know, that's what those things were, and there's right. a formula to it. So you're talking about the formula that a 12-bar blues, but there's all different kinds of blues forms. It's not the only form. It's right. actually much more vast than that. Yeah. And the beauty of it to me is, is that you have the simplest structure within which you can be endlessly creative. So it's, it, 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 it's, it's, to me, it's completely beautiful. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. That, that's, what, that's what changed my life. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I found out that, that's all I wanted to do was old school roots music, man, because it was the best. And then I discovered, of course, everything. The old school bluegrass, the old, old school country, mm-hmm. the old school folk, you know. Then, then, then the whole, the doors just were, were wide open, open. For, yeah, for yeah. me. And yeah. then I really never went back to anything else. I just really never did. I mean, I still enjoyed Neil Young and Bob Dylan, but I feel like they're really in touch with that too. Right. They're extensions of that really. Right, right. But I never really like went back to any other music. I don't know anything about any other music. Right. I don't know anything about 80s or 90s or 2000s. Right. I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> let's, uh, let's take a break. Is this the it, point where we play my music or are we still playing your music? We're pro- we'll probably play more of my music just because it's infinitely better but um no <laughs> very much more <better. laughs> well you, you know you got that whole like sensitive guy thing. yeah i know i know i do i really got it. i got it so the story goes is sponsored by santan brewing company come on y'all they got some of my favorite beers not only that they're distilling now, so they have a rye whiskey I'm a big fan of. I mean, I love all their stuff. And they're based right here in Arizona. In fact, they have this great little brew pub and right downtown Chandler. Next time you go, tell them Brian sent you. Nothing will happen. They, they won't know what you're talking about. But I think it'd be kind of fun. Anyway, check them out online, santanbrewing.com. Drink local. Come on. Let's get back to the podcast. Uh, One thing that I will tell you, and this is not, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, okay? But I am very impressed with how creative you were last year. Now, we've had many conversations about this. Are we recording? Yeah. Oh, 
I wasn't sure. We were, I thought, I, I, for some reason, I thought you were just like we were just a wrapping. little side note before we were starting. <laughs> like, oh, we're going. Oh, okay. No, I will tell you that I'm just very impressed at how much output you had last year. And um, very much unlike me, you're really good, apparently, with downtime. <laughs> yeah, COVID didn't even register on my meter. No, and i i took a, I <laughs> yeah. took a huge I took a huge yeah, dump. yeah. I feel bad for you about that. And but you took advantage of it and just yeah, I was in my element. Holy shit! You made what 40, 40 song, forty five songs. Well, but that's not that's not the whole truth. I mean, I I culminated and finished four albums, but I didn't. It's not like I st- it's not like I started them at the beginning of COVID. I mean, it was oh, ongoing. I had a lot of on ongoing stuff. Okay, going but on. fine. Right, you finished forty five songs, four full albums worth of music. Not only that, yeah. you continued to write poetry. You can you continue to paint and and do other kind of. Uh, yep. Yeah, I got into the inks. Got into ink, yep. which is all over the crib. Yeah, um, I acted in a short film. Acted in a short film. I mean, you really took advantage of that downtime. I mean, I don't know if I took advantage of it so much as like that's how I want my life always to be. It's just unfortunate that. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I mean, I do very well by myself in a room being you know creative or whatever like i don't i don't mind being alone i'm alone a lot i i, I just don't it doesn't phase me right and my, it doesn't element. and it doesn't affect like i feel like part of my creativity stems from interaction stems from performing stems from it's it i mean yes i need moments of silence and 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 alone time you know but i am just impressed with the output and the, and it's and and you're really dialing in your process your production you've uh, associated yourself with great musicians who understand your music and and when i say that i, I say that very loosely because you did a songwriter record you did a like a jazz ish standard jazz standard record thing yeah and then you did a blues record and you did like a country record Four very different genres that yeah, don't necessarily country. touch the same center point. Yeah. You know? I've always been all over the place, though, man. Yeah. I've never been able to be in, you know, I'll have an album, an album where it goes from a bluegrass tune to a country tune to, right. I mean, it's just to a right. sort of an indie pop tune. Right. Yeah. It's just, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, uh, the thing about, the thing, though, about the, Talk into the mic now. The thing, you? the thing about the creativity thing, though, is this: that like, the older I get, the more. I don't, like I said, I I found the the art life. I feel like later, mm-hmm. I wish I would have found. I wish I would find it. it. Is what it is. Your life is what it is. But I found it later, and uh, it's just getting more and more intense now. I you know, as I've started to realize that. I'm not a musician that, that, that like, I just finally started to realize that what you are creatively is a holistic thing. Mm-hmm. I bring all of who I am artistically to whatever medium is before me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yes, there's, there's tools you got to learn about the medium. 
So like I just started to get into these alcohol inks in visual arts. So there was this whole learning curve of understanding how the inks work, what kind of paper to use, what kind of how to apply them. So but, there's, there's all this stuff. To, but that's but that's just the technical stuff. Same thing like if right. you're going to learn how to act and be an actor. There's some, but bringing what you have creatively to 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 everything is that's like a, a a muscle I've been practicing for over thirty years now consciously and before that unconsciously for the whole my whole life or but, whatever. But can I just pause you for a moment because I think what you have um, that a lot of other quote unquote artists or creative types don't have is that you have that that kind of scientific side of your brain. You 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 are a researcher, a scientist. Well, I don't. That's my. That, I maybe maybe, but that that's not that's not necessarily my favorite part of it. But it's just necessary. Well, but all I'm saying is, a lot of creatives don't, me included, I don't necessarily dig to the bottom of what it is. Oh, right? I, yeah, I'm all about what's happening down at the bottom. Yeah, right. I'm, that's my. I bag. mean, well, and this whole like scientific process to art. Right, you're well, talking. You, you, I just want to say you keep using, and I don't want to, you know, you keep using the word scientific, and I, and I was ter- this one subject I was terrible with science. I, it's not scientific to me. No, no, I said scientific process. Oh, well, to me, it's not scientific. To me, it's this that like you got there's some you don't know what you're going to need to know to do what you need to do. So the whole thing is about discovery. You're discovering all the time. So, but in that discovery, you discover that you don't know stuff you need to know. So then you got to go find out the answers to those things to get where you're going. Even though you don't really know where you're going, you're just intuiting where you need to be going. So, but along the way, you go, oh, I need this. I need. I need to know this thing, or I need this piece. So you got to get that piece. And to me, it's work. Like I I hear people say all the time, like I, I, I live in L.A for the last what eight nine years and I, I got lots of friends and lots of different you know whatever mediums or whatever but they always talking about uh, oh i'm an actor i love acting i just i love acting I'm, I, love, I, love. I don't love any of it <laughs> i mean i mean don't get me wrong i do but but i hate it as much as i love it and i don't trust anybody who says they just love it if you don't hate it too you're doing it wrong because it should be the kind of at least to me it should be the kind of experience of like you're living it, so there's highs and lows, and there's failures and defeats, and and it's a whole thing, man. Because it's not all good. Can we? But I feel like this speaks to you as a songwriter. You are a crafter. Would you say that? Although we have had some conversations where some songs have 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 formed kind of subconsciously. Well, but I mean, who look? Craftsmanship is a part of all artistic endeavor. I think. I mean, any painter, you know, like we were talking about Rothko earlier, that, you know, someone looks at his thing and it's like these color fields where you just got like two colors and they're in a block on a thing. And he's like, well, you know, anyone can put colors on a thing. But the, the years and years of the you call like scientific process, years and years of him discovering what paints to use not only what paints he was making his own stuff so he a little bit of egg mm-hmm. yolk and this mm-hmm. what the what and then what kind of brushes how to apply it mm-hmm. you know there was so much going on mm-hmm. to get to that place that seems like oh it's just a couple of colors on a thing you know but like what's underneath it you know how you got there there's a lot to it and i've been writing songs now for oh what 30 years or something mm-hmm. and i'm like you said i write a lot so i've written hundreds mm-hmm. of songs man and not all good, 
and I'll write, I'll say this from the beginning, I'll write any kind of song. I'll write a cheesy song. I'll write a, a, a rocky song. I don't care. I'll write any kind of song, a first-person confessional. I wrote a, I'll write a story song. I don't care. Mm-hmm. But I don't, well, how I look at it is that it's, I, the craft part comes after the inspiration mm-hmm. for everyone, I think. I don't think how that could be any different. Like you get inspired, but then the craft part comes in and then, okay, now I have to make this into something and now I have to use my skill and my experience and my knowledge to do that, you know? But I feel like for me, anyhow, it's always been the experience of being a conduit. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't, I, I, I identify much more with the idea of being a midwife mm-hmm. than the mother of the creation. The only other person that has told me that was Matthew Thornton. That's how he looks at writing songs. He doesn't write them. He lo- he doesn't well, take credit for them. Well, I mean, I take credit for them, I guess, because, I mean, I did write them. I do write them. I do. I do the work. But you're the lightning rod. I, but you're I also, pulling something from somewhere else. That's true, but I think that's true with... I think my all... I think creativity is like that, that, like, the best stuff you're ever going to do has to do with tuning in to a certain vibration or frequency, oh, being open to... The short way of saying it that people coined in our uh, phraseology and in, in our culture is, you know, getting out of your own way. Mm-hmm. And right. to get, getting out of your own way, to me, is another way of saying ego transcendence. Mm-hmm. So get, getting out of your own way means you're opening yourself up to the possibilities of what can happen, which is big beyond yourself. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, really great things can happen. But then, of course, yes you're also a part of that process. So you come in and apply your skill and your experience and, and your craft well, you, to it. You definitely are a filter to this information. Yes. Right? Yes. And hopefully if, it's a, if you're really in a place of discovery that you know, you're learning new things, so it might be a chord you have to go and learn. Right. You might not even know that chord yet or what, whatever, whatever you need for it to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got to be. But the whole thing has always been, and this is beyond music for me, the whole thing is, is I've learned more and more about creativity is intuition it's mm-hmm. in, it's an intuitive thing more than anything else and you know you talked about get, getting lessons or being taught and you know we can talk about uh autodidacticism you know and and let's uh, not i don't even know what that is it's it's a fancy word for being self-taught oh, but but the, the idea of i kind of have this idea that everyone is self-taught there's no other way to be that like like i can whatever, be a mentor or a teacher to you and teach you, like, let's say I've been learning about these inks and you're interested and I'm going to show you. Well, I can show you stuff I know, right. but ultimately you're going to have to go on the journey and you're going to have to do it yourself and teach right. yourself. Right. I mean, I really can't teach you. And when and I feel like when you ask someone to teach you something, in large part, you're asking them to answer the question of how. Mm-hmm. How do I do this? Mm-hmm. But the answer to that question is in the discovery and how you get from point A to point B is not going to be how I get to point A to point B. We're going to get very different results that some people might like your way and what you came up with and more than mine or whatever. Then you talk about style and what the thing is, but I don't, I didn't necessarily teach you anything. I just said, Hey, check this out. Right. This is my process. Yeah. This, but, but 
I would never want anyone to, to do it like I do it because I don't think you get very good results. I have to do it like I do it. Right. You know, we talk about a lot of this in, in acting and building a character and understanding how to, how to do it. Well, my, how I envision something and how I'm going to get there, you can't get there like I get there. And right. I can't get like, this is a completely individualized mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so it's not like I don't believe in teachers. I do believe in teachers. I think some people are very gifted teachers and that's their, their gift and that's what they bring to the world and that's amazing. But I also kind of believe in that they can only, they're, they're, a better word might be they're a guide. Yes, they, they'll show you the road that you need to go down. Or a possible the, road. The, they'll give you the tools, yeah. but there's, hey, there's the Here's thing. some ideas right. about what you might here's, be able Here's to an do approach. But, you know, please, I, I mean, whenever I'm mentoring anyone or whatever, I always try to, the first thing I always try to say is, hey, first of all, always remember, I don't have all the answers. Don't take my word for it. I'm right. going to tell you some stuff. I could be right, could be wrong, could be anywhere in between. It only worked for me. Yeah. Right. What do I know about it? And, and you know what? Not only did it only work for me, it only works for me a small portion of the time. That's another thing about, uh, about creativity that I had to, I guess I had to learn on my own too, is that, that like, it's, it's a lot of failure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if people realize that it's so much failure. Like, mm-hmm. like more than not, it doesn't work out, and I have to, I, and I have to try again. Holes and pimps, pimps and holes, just a taste, and you, you beg for more. And wolves at the door Well, this is a good place to talk about Whores and pimps. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty, I think it's a very good song myself. I do. <laughs> I just think it's funny. <laughs> oh, whoa, it is a great song. Subject matter or whatever. Walk me through that process and how you got there. All right. Well, uh, so you know I love the blues. That's a, that's a traditional twelve bar twelve bar blues setup. Mm-hmm. Um, slow, cl- tr- classic, slow twelve bar blues. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a six eight kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, that all started with uh, I got sort of my second time in my life of being obsessed with the harmonica, and I wanted to. I was just sh- shedding. This was last year. Yeah, I was, shed, yeah. I, I was with Mariano. Yeah, um, he was teaching me some about harmonica, and uh, I was just shedding. So. Um, I wanted to, you know, you can play, you need stuff to play to to work on stuff you're working on. Right. And you can play to like canned stuff that people make online, you know, YouTube, they'll make some canned stuff, you know, blues and A minor or whatever. Um, or you can get, you know, there's like programs that you can 
you know, you want to play a blues and uh, a swing blues at 120 beats per minute in the key of D, they just make it for you. But it's canned some, so I'm a songwriter, so I like to make my own stuff to play to. So I was making tracks to play to, essentially. So I was producing music for, just for my harmonica work. And I had made this slow blues thing. And I was just gonna, I thought I was gonna make it a harmonic instrumental, is what I was trying to make it into. Mm. But, uh, uh, and this was coming at a time when I had, I went through a, a dry spell where I, I, I wasn't able to write lyrics, but I made a bunch of instrumental music. But the lyrics started coming back and uh, it ended up being a lyric song. And, you know, one of the things I, I have some opposition or confusion about in the culture I was born into is just how, you know, I, I, I don't want to come off like I'm some kind of crazy socialist or something because it's not the case. But uh, I just think capitalism has gotten a little crazy out of control. Yeah. It's like, so, you know, this song lyrically is sort of, sort of my talking about the idea of that we live in a, in our, our economic system, I think one might argue basically throughout your life, it's, you're going to be either a pimp or a whore. Or, mm-hmm. or both at different times. But you're going to, that's how the system works. You're going to pimp yourself out or you're going to hoard yourself out. I mean, you're going to be a pimp that's, right. you know, that's just, just seems to be how it works. So I kind of want to write a song about that that also sort of incorporated the idea of Rome is burning, mm-hmm. that idea, because maybe that's where we're at in our evolution with this culture. I don't know, maybe not. Who, I'm, what do I know? But uh, that's sort of what the song is about, that, you know, uh, I don't know if it's a condemnation of capitalism or a comment on it or uh, I don't know. Well, it's a great it's a great tune, man, and and I'm I'm really uh just watching your evolution as a as an engineer and a producer and a writer and and again, your dedication uh to being creative last year was a, really a source of inspiration for me um when I was uh, not feeling that, homie. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, joining me here at the kitchen table and and sharing a bit of your uh, your history and your process and your tune. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, I love do, you. I, and, I do. I love you like a brother. Yep, man. love you like a brother. Yeah. And and glad to. Uh, I think it's cool you're doing this thing because I got to listen to a bunch of the other ones and I was I was into it. It's really neat. It's really it's really nice to hear. Uh, get, I think it's coming out cool, man. Yeah, you know, cool. I just—it's just nice to sit down and rap, you know. And and I don't have an agenda. I don't. I don't. Ha- you know, I don't have any questions written out. You know, I just like to see where it goes. And and you know, I like. I'm just proud of my talented friends, and I and I love an opportunity to rap, uh, whether we talk about the craft or the music or art or not. You know. Um, I just miss having the moment, you know, a moment where we can just sit down and rap. And and I haven't been able to do that in a year. So uh, anyway, appreciate you doing this. Uh, where can people find yeah, your that's music the thing right going now, forward? The, the big plug, right, the big plug. You can't. That's the whole thing. <laughs> you, you can't. Cause I don't give a shit. You have to send. You have to send a, <laughs> I don't a check. You have to send a check to PO Box. Where is it? Well, it's at like you know wherever the, all the main. I'm not really good at this kind of stuff, but whatever Spotify? the Spotify. Pl- yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. The main platforms, right? Spotify, so just go to uh, find Apple. Brian Apple, DeMarco. Does Apple have a thing. 
Apple's oh got a thing, God. right? Does Apple have a thing? <laughs> Jesus, you've been living under a goddamn stump? Dude, you know me, dude. I don't listen to the radio. I don't watch television. I don't read a newspaper. I don't do social media. It's something. If something happens in the world, I'm the last guy that's going to know, know about it. That's for sure. Well... You know, so, I think people are rather into. If, you, if you're in, if you're if you if, hear this, and you're into my music. Just bother Chartrand. Just yeah, say, yeah, hey, oh, yeah, great. Just, just email, just email me. Chartrand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, love you, man. Thanks for hanging out with me. Great to see you. Proud of all the work that you've done this last Thank you, year. Man. Appreciate and, it. And 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 uh, the birthday gift that is now uh, hanging up in the house. Uh, it's a it's a it's a rather strange nude painting of of Demarco. <laughs> self portrait, self portrait, just from the waist down. Which uh, which kind of fits the bathroom, you know. But uh, anyway, all right, man. Thanks for being here. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely.